scripture lesson this morning comes from Mark's gospel, the first chapter, verses 21 through 28. Hear the word of the Lord. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. It was a wonderful morning. I was in the synagogue listening to Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One. He was teaching about all of the scriptures and giving wonderful advice about life. I could not imagine a more perfect place to be than right there where I was in the synagogue listening to the Holy One of God. It was almost as if I was having a a brush with the kingdom of God right then and there. And I was thinking to myself, what could make this any better? See, Jesus was teaching with such power and authority that it felt like I was being transformed as he spoke. I've never had that sort of encounter with the scribes and the Pharisees, not when they taught in the synagogue. Don't get me wrong, they're good, they know their stuff. But they just have never been able to speak to me in a way that that spoke to my soul the way that Jesus did, and especially that day. I just couldn't get enough of his teaching. But while he was teaching, a man with an unclean spirit came running into the synagogue. He wasn't really supposed to be there because, well, he was unclean and He caught everybody so off guard that nobody really knew what to do, and so nobody stopped him. And the man with the unclean spirit ran over to Jesus and started screaming at him, wanting to know if Jesus had come to destroy them. Everyone in town knows this man. He usually stays away from most people. He seems a little different than the rest of us. We aren't really sure what's wrong with him. He's kind of just been that way for years and years, as far as anybody can remember. But... Sometimes when he speaks, he doesn't really sound like his normal self. It's almost like someone else is talking, and that's exactly what was going on on this particular morning when he came rushing into the synagogue. He was screaming at Jesus, calling him out by name, and we were all taking a few steps back just in case things got a little rough. But we couldn't take our eyes off of what was going on. We couldn't take our eyes off of this man who came rushing in, and and Jesus, this man who was teaching with such authority. The man with the unclean spirit was just screaming and yelling at Jesus, calling him out by name and letting Jesus and all of us know that he knew exactly who Jesus was and where he was from. He was Jesus of Nazareth, but this man with the unclean spirit knew something else too. He called Jesus the Holy One of God. This unclean spirit was calling Jesus out by name, showing all of us that he had power and authority over Jesus. He was... was, telling Jesus that he knew everything about him. The Spirit was sure that this knowledge of who Jesus was would give him the ability to control the Son of God. And immediately Jesus rebukes the Spirit and tells him to be silent. Be silent. It's time for this Spirit to be quiet. 
It's time for the Spirit to leave this poor man alone. Jesus commands the Spirit to come out of this child of God, and the Spirit obeys him. Jesus didn't need to know the Spirit's name to have control over this Spirit. He just needed to speak, and it would be. And we were all standing around the edge of the synagogue, and we were wondering what was about to happen next. And at once, when Jesus told the Spirit to come out, the man started to convulse and jerk around. And we heard the most awful, terrifying, screeching scream. And the Spirit came out of the man. We were amazed. I've never seen anything like it, and I doubt I'll ever see anything like it again. Suppose none of us, though, really should have been that amazed. You see, Jesus had been teaching us that morning in the synagogue just before this. The same thing he had been teaching since he began his ministry. He had been teaching us that the kingdom of God was here and that we needed to repent. We needed to be changed. We needed to turn our lives around and reorient ourselves back toward God. He was telling us that what we needed to do is to be changed. Or he wasn't telling us that we needed to do this or else. He just said it needed to happen. He, he was talking to us about God's kingdom and what it looks like what there can be in it, and what there can't. He was telling us that in God's kingdom, there can only be holiness. Unholiness can't be there. He was teaching us that to be holy is to be set apart. To be holy is to be different than that which is around you. He was telling us that to be holy, like our Father in heaven is holy, that is our goal. To be holy means that everything in our life has to be in accordance to the will of God. If it's not, it needs to be changed or it needs to be abandoned. God's kingdom does not allow for anything less than that which is pure. So to see what we saw right there in the synagogue, that particular morning was, was Jesus' teaching in action. What we saw right there in front of us was a teacher who was living out the teaching that he was giving to those who were following him. And I think that's why he was able to reach me in a way that the scribes and the Pharisees never had been able to. He taught. And he lived out what he taught. He wasn't just talking about the kingdom of God. He was building the kingdom of God right there in front of us. We saw Jesus restore a man on the fringes of life. We saw God's power over evil. We saw mercy and we saw compassion. We saw the redemption and the hope that God is able to provide to those who seemingly have no hope. You know, as I sat there and I watched, I watched this man have the spirit cast out of him. I started thinking, maybe I don't have a spirit that looks like this man's spirit. Maybe I don't have an unclean spirit that seems to control all of my actions in the same way that this man has. But I have, this, some, I have some things in my life that are doing the exact same sort of things to the relationships that I have with other people. And if I start thinking hard enough, I'm pretty sure I can come up with a few things in my life that aren't completely holy, too. And I bet those things are affecting my relationship with God. Folks, the author of this gospel thinks that it is absolutely essential that we understand that the kingdom of God is among us here and now. We aren't to be looking to some faraway time and place in the future when things are going to be perfect while we neglect building God's kingdom here and now. I think it's especially worth noting that this story happens in the very first chapter of Mark's Gospel, and he thinks it's important enough to point out that there are only 20 verses that come before it. 
If we take a quick run through those 20 verses, we find that John the Baptist is preparing the way for the Christ to come. And Jesus gets baptized, and then he goes out into the wilderness to encounter the temptations with Satan. And immediately after that, he goes about the region, preaching a message of repentance and gathering his disciples around him. And then he begins teaching in the synagogue. He begins building the kingdom of God right there in verse 21. Mark is jumping straight into what the gospel does and what it means. The good news is that the kingdom of God is here and now and requires a change in our lives. The good news is that even in the midst of a world where we are plagued by things that separate us from God, that God loves us enough to send his son to transform us so that we might become more holy. God loves the world so much that he is not leaving us to suffer alone the consequences of our unholy actions without the hope of redemption. However, in order for us to embrace that hope and embrace that redemption that comes through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus the Holy One, we have to recognize that there is that, that to be a true part of the kingdom of God, we must be working towards holiness, towards becoming more holy, towards becoming more the way that God would have us to be. Working towards holiness means that we have to deal with some of these issues in our lives that seem to control us more than we control them. Sometimes these spirits, if you want to call them that, cause us to shut out other people from our lives. And you know, these different issues can take on many different ways in our lives. Sometimes these spirits cause us to, to place a lot more emphasis on work than other things. And that's a really dangerous thing because we spend so much time at our jobs, right? For those of us who work, we spend so much of our lives there. We spend more time there than we do doing almost anything else. And if you spend so much time doing a particular thing, or you spend so much time in a particular place, then it becomes easy to think that that is the most important thing in your life. And all of a sudden you find that you're consumed by your job or what it is that you do, and you don't have time for your family, you don't have time for your friends, you don't have time to carry out the mission that God has called you to carry out. Others of us have these unclean spirits that find themselves on the Internet. You see, not all things on the Internet are bad. There's a lot of really good information out there. The Internet's full of ways that we can connect with other people in, in ways that we never would have been able to otherwise. But it's pretty easy to find that you're spending more time on the Internet and spending more time developing relationships with a computer than you are with one another or with your God. And before you realize it, that electronic device has become your God or your family or your circle of friends. And without even realizing it, you find that your life is controlled by something with a cord instead of by the God who breathed life into you. What about the unclean spirit that presents itself as contentment? You see, this can be a really tricky spirit to deal with because many of us possess it, or rather, it tends to possess many of us. And many of us never know it. It's more of a quiet spirit, and it softly and constantly whispers into our hearts. It tells us that whatever it is that God's called us to do can wait until tomorrow. Whatever it is that we need to do can be put off until tomorrow. Tomorrow will always be there, right? We don't want to do anything to disrupt our contentment today. We don't have time for it today. We don't have the energy for it today. Tomorrow will come. And before we realize it, our contentment has caused our journey toward holiness to be put off until tomorrow and the next day 
and the next thing. And it never happens. You see, we have all sorts of these issues that we need to deal with or that we need to turn over to God for God to deal with. One of the biggest things that we have, we have to do in order for these issues to be dealt with is to recognize that we actually have them. We have to, to quit ignoring that they're there. We have to admit to ourselves and to our God that we're not perfect, and we have to be okay with that. But once we recognize that we're not perfect, we have to be okay with turning those issues over to God so that they can be dealt with, so that we can become more holy. We have to work with our God to file off those rough edges in our lives. We have to spend time in prayer and in reflection. We have to spend time reading the scriptures, listening to the voice of God. We have to do all these things. So that these issues can be identified in our lives. And once they're identified, then we can bring them before Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God, and find ourselves restored and in a right relationship with God and with our neighbor. Folks, some of these issues are difficult to deal with. Some of them have become so powerful and have gained so much traction and control over our lives that we're unable to deal with them on our own. We can't do it. Some of us have tried to deal with these issues numerous times only to find that we lose the battle every time. But if you really want to find the good news in this particular passage, here it is. This man could not get rid of the unclean spirit on his own. It had so much power over him that it dictated his place in society, it controlled his physical actions, and it wouldn't even let him speak to Jesus when he came into the presence of Jesus Christ. But the man didn't have to speak to ask Jesus for help. The Spirit did everything it could to prove that it was stronger than the Son of God. And it failed miserably. The one who was in the beginning before all things were, the one who spoke all things into creation, spoke a new life into this man who was possessed by this unclean spirit. He spoke new life into a man who otherwise would never have had it had he not brought his issue to Jesus the Christ. And that is the good news. That is news that you cannot help but share with the rest of the world. The God who created everything cares so deeply for each and every one of us that He will not, if you come into His presence with a need, leave you suffering without the strength and ability to make it through to the other side. Leave this place today knowing that the kingdom of God is here and that there is no place for anything unclean in it. It is time to find our unclean spirits and bring them before the Lord of all creation so that we can continue our journey toward a more holy life. There is nothing too large or too small. There is nothing too insignificant or too powerful. There is nothing that we can bring before the throne of God that will cause him to turn away from us. His grace and his mercy are far more powerful than any unclean spirit that may find its way in front of him. So, when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus tells us that that kingdom is here and it is now and we're part of it. And that we need to help build that kingdom right now by dealing with each one of these unclean spirits that find their way into our lives so that we can become more holy, so that we can become more like the Christ that we follow. Now, when you leave this place today, go. Go and live your faith. Amen.